be really honest, when I was, I'm, I'm not a very big person, not a very big pitcher or anything like that. And I was told a lot when I was little that I would never play Division One softball. Wasn't big enough, wasn't strong enough, didn't throw fast enough, the whole nine yards that you could imagine. I was told that over and over again. You know, there were times that I didn't make the A team or the, you know, like elite travel team or whatever. Growing up, sports give so much to so much to kids and help them in so many ways post your athletic days. I just wanted to be able to have a part of that in growing and helping other people. Hey, I'm Ashley Agle. Some of you might know me as Ashley Burkhart, and I'm a former D1 and professional softball player who spent a few years coaching in the college game before deciding to put all of my focus into youth softball players and helping them make their dreams and their goals happen for them. It's our job to help them unleash their potential and become the athletes they've always dreamt of. I come from a small city in the Midwest and didn't let that stop me from making my goal of playing D1 softball a reality. No matter where you live, you have the tools to help you thrive, and I am hoping through this podcast to help you get there. On this podcast, you'll learn from Olympians, Hall of Fame coaches, and elite players what their journeys have been like, and you'll also learn from me and my family a bit of our journey through the game. I'm so excited to have you here, so whip out your notebook and let's learn how we can grow in this game together. Welcome to When the Cleats Come Off. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to another episode of When the Cleats Come Off. I'm your host, Ashley Eggle, and yes, we did just take a month off of the podcast, and let me tell you, it was much needed on my end, but I'm just so excited because now we've gotten some new recordings of guests that are going to be on the show, and let me tell you, they are legit. I've had so much fun recording with guests that you've asked for for season three. And even though we have amazing guests coming, which I'm very stoked about, we have an actual announcement that you, if you're listening the day the podcast airs again, you have super secret access to something brand new and it's made for you. Many of you have asked when I'm going to create some gear for when the cleats come off. And we have an online store already for empowerment gear for athletes. And for the first time ever, we are launching gear for more than just the athlete, but the coach and the parent that I know many of you are, you are about to get spoiled. So in season two, we reached 50,000 downloads of the podcast. It just absolutely blows my mind that this is what just happened to us. But to celebrate our 50K, my team and I decided to design some gear specific to podcast listeners. So we've created a new logo for the podcast. It includes some cleats. We're super excited about it. And if you want to check it out, you can find it at www.ashleybtraining.com and go to the tab empowerment gear and you'll head to Shopify and you'll see all the brand new gear literally designed for you. So we have mugs because I know a lot of you are listening and sipping on your morning cup of coffee. We have hats. We have crew necks because it's almost fall and who doesn't love a good crew neck, tank tops, and so much more. And if you're excited to get your hands on some of this stuff, you can get 10% off by typing in the code podcast10 
at checkout on Spotify. It'll get you 10% off your order and you can reuse that code however many times you want to come back to the site. So podcast 10 will get you 10% off your order if you're interested in some of this gear. So if you can't wait to get your hands on this gear, pause this episode, head to www.ashleybtraining.com, click on the empowerment gear and get your hands on some of this stuff. I'm so excited to see you guys rocking it. All right, let's head on over to the show. This week, I have the honor and privilege to introduce to you a softball celebrity over where I live in South Bend, Indiana. Coach Beth Zachary is in the house. Now, this interview was prompted by a little DM I got on Twitter from a dad of a daughter who was interested in learning from one of the top high school coaches in the country. And we have her here right now. And crazy enough, she lives right down the street from me. But her reputation is absolute fire up here. Everybody knows and respects her in the game. And you guys are going to learn so much from her. A little bit about her. She was an Indiana State champion in 2001. After high school, she played at IPFW, ironically, where my dad played basketball. They were not in the same class, but went to the same college. She was first an assistant at Penn High School and then became the head coach at Penn High School. And now she has over 300 career wins. She was inducted into the ICGSS Hall of Fame. Her teams are consistently in the top 10 in Indiana. She has had 39, yes, 39 collegiate softball players leave her program. That goes from JUCO all the way to D1, 39 And the crazy part is she shares in this interview that many of them are coaching now, and it's the coolest thing to see. Beth has built a championship culture, and I'm so, so, so excited for you guys to learn how she's been able to create such a successful program over the years. In this episode, she shares what got her into coaching originally, the hard lessons coaching has taught her over the years, a little bit of a pen softball practice plan how she's helping her players understand mental health, and I really love her approach on this, her core values as a coach, and did I mention a mom of three girls and she's coaching two of them in high school currently? Beth Zachary is in the house, and I'm so, so, so excited for you guys to learn from her here on When the Cleats Come Off. Let's get into it. I'm so excited to have Beth Zachary here on this conversation on the pod, a high-level high school coach that is doing great things in the game, making her players better. Beth, I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you for having me, Ashley. I'm excited to be here, and hopefully I can help some people out. Yes, it's going to be fun. And and when I say you make your players better, your players adore you. And I know you probably are like, yeah, they're my girls. But like the amount of people that I've met that have been truly impacted by you and have become better people when they leave your high school program is like through the roof. And I'm just like an outsider looking in and honestly, like I'm, I'm actually jealous that I didn't have (laughs) a you coaching me in high school, but we can get into that a little bit later. But can you share with the group, just like your alleyway, your way through the game? Cause I know you started at a young age, you've accomplished a lot of things as a player. So let's start there and then we can dive into coaching. 
Sure. Okay. So, um, believe it or not, we were just kind of reminiscing about this the other day with my own daughters. So I have three daughters that all play the game too. And my husband is a, a baseball player, former baseball player and baseball coach as well. So, you know, it's just kind of in our family now, but I was reminiscing the other day because we found a white softball at one of our practices and like, yeah. where in the world did this like white ball come from? How did it get here? <laughs> and I was telling the girls, did you know that I used to play with a white softball? Like seriously, I'm, I'm not even 40 yet. And that's like how far the game has come, I think, in the past, you know, 30 to 40 years, if you think about the evolution of softball. So going all the way back, I played with a white softball, which I think is just crazy that that ironically just happened this week and we were talking about it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I started out obviously like everybody else playing Little League. My dad coached me, of course. I think our first two seasons I played on parties and like a local automotive shop team at our local elementary school. School, and I think we lost every single game for two years straight. Um, <laughs> I played every position, but I really started out as a shortstop, ironically. Um, and then at about 12U, one of um, our coaches came to me and he had had older players who had played or older daughters himself. And he said, you know, you're kind of athletic and I, I'm wondering, how do you feel about learning how to pitch? And of course, mm. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Like I played every sport. I did soccer and swimming and volleyball and everything. And I'm like, yeah, let's pitch. I can be in control. That'd be awesome. Um, and so I started, you know, just kind of playing around and taking like local pitching lessons. And then I just kept pitching and it was just a natural fit. Went on to high school. I played at Castle High School in Southern Indiana for Pat Lockyer, who is still a coach there to this wow. day, which is, re yeah, it's really neat that we get to now uh, coach together. we coached against each other a couple of times in tournaments. Mm -hmm. And yeah, he's been a, a great mentor and person in my life. So played for him all through high school. And to be honest, um, you know, my first year of high school, I was a role player on my pitching staff for high school and got thrown into a sectional game that I didn't expect to, to pitch into and got lit up, like lit up. Wow. Uh, in that game. And then, you know, I kind of reflected after my freshman year of high school and said, I no, I don't want to just be okay at this sport. I want to be great at this sport. And mm -hmm. I had, um, I had some softball players that really influenced me and that I got to watch growing up. Trisha Poling is a Castle graduate for one. Becky Liss, She's a Southern Indiana star. Joe Liss, she's Joe Liss's daughter. Um, and so having them and watching them, like, I want to be like that. I want to be great. I want to be that level. What do I can, what do I need to do? And so my dad, my dad's a high school coach. He's a high school wrestling and, and football coach. He's at 40 plus years into his coaching career uh, as a head wrestling coach and as a football coach. And he said, okay, if this is what you want, we're going to make this happen. And so, you know, after that, I just worked really hard. And then I ended up having just kind of the fairy tale situation in high school where, you know, I played with every girl on my high school team from the time we were little. We played travel together back then too. You were allowed to play travel with your high school team. And so our high school team bought into that mm. played together. And uh, cool. we, yeah, it was, it was really cool. And we all lived, it was ironic, except for two kids in the same neighborhood together growing up. Um, Jeez. But yeah, it was just weird. And then we um, won a state championship in 2001. Back then, 3A was the biggest class for softball. And so we won the state championship, played Lake Central and Pendleton Heights to do that. 
mm-hmm. um, had to face Floyd Central and Center Grove to get there. So you you hear those names, and those are still elite high schools in Indiana to this day. So that's kind of cool. Played there, and then I uh, was fortunate enough to earn a full ride athletic scholarship to play at IPFW, Indiana University, Purdue University, Fort Wayne. Played there and had a, a great experience there. I was freshman athlete of the year, my freshman year in college, and and just had a really great experience. And then I left college with my husband and we moved up north here. Um, And I reached out I knew I was student teaching at Penn High School. That's where I had been placed to kind of finish up the last component of my degree. And so I was student teaching in the freshman academy, the very first year of Penn High School's freshman academy, student teaching English. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to be here anyway. I reached out to our head coach here at Penn, uh, John Cortier, and said, hey, I, you know, this is who I am. I just am coming off of Division I softball. And I would love to come and throw BP for you or whatever. I'm, I'm going to be in the area anyway. I want to stay involved in the game. I know I eventually want to coach someday. Do you need any help or would you be interested in like me coming out to throw or it, just whatever you would need? Got an email back within two hours saying, absolutely come to practice tomorrow. And kind of the rest is, is kind of history there. I ended up just kind of helping out in that capacity as a volunteer. Within a couple of months, Samantha Creekbaum was the varsity assistant here at the high school. So she went on to coach at Bethel College. And so she got promoted to that position. And there was a varsity assistant position open. And I got hired for that position. And my responsibilities were to be in charge of pitchers and catchers and the preseason conditioning and training. So I got put in charge of that too, which is super fun. And did that for two years. And then um, John Quartier is a local fire chief here in South Bend, and he was promoted to that position and was unable to be able to coach anymore. Um, I was interviewed by Ben Karaziak and got the position, and I have been the head coach since 2008 and have been blessed with just amazing family and student-athlete after student-athlete, and it's just really, really been a fairy tale and a dream come true. It's everything I ever wanted to do. Wanted to be a teacher and a coach since the time I was little, like my dad, um, and I'm getting to do that. So that's a quick. Uh, it's <laughs> it's such a cool story. I love it. And in 2008, I was in high school playing. Not to like age anybody, but it's crazy <laughs> because I never actually played against you. But like even living in Fort Wayne, which go IPFW, I love that. Yeah, that's where my dad also played college basketball. So it's bringing back all the memories. Yeah. Um, but I think just your name has been out there ever since I was even in high school. And it's kind of amazing to see, you know, your program and the just consistency of tradition that you guys have. It's like, if we ever had the chance to play you, I think we would be like, oh my God, we're playing Penn. Like, and I think a lot of people probably feel that. And yeah, I'm just going to say it. You're, you're basically a high school softball celebrity up here. Like people talk <laughs> about you all the time and your family and you have three girls playing softball. Your husband coaches, like just the amount of, of just success in the family. It's just amazing. And I, I would love to unpack some of this with you. Okay. So to start, to start with all of this, you, you talked about like how you got into high school coaching. I love that you just knocked on the door and you were like, I want to try this. 
because you knew that like you love the game and you wanted to coach it, but you were like, mm, let me just tap on the door and see what happens. And when you say the rest is history, I feel like it truly is. So what was the drive to coach in high school and what has kept you here for so long? Cause I'm sure you've had opportunities to go do larger things in college, but like, I feel like this is like your sweet spot. Yeah, so I think a lot of it stems from my upbringing. So, you know, I'm the child of a high school coach myself who uh, also has had several opportunities. He's a, you know, Hall of Famer. He's he's amazing, too, uh, in the sport of wrestling. And I grew up with a, a dad who coached. We grew up in a gym. I grew up, you know, hanging out in the wrestling room and the locker room and running around the, the high school like I owned it, you know, as a little kid and, you know, watching the work ethic and the time, and but also the impact and the relationship that, you know, he was able to develop with, you know, his student athletes. And, you know, with my dad doing it for so long, he's friends with now the some of the wrestlers that he had, especially early on in his career and has watched their families grow and has been an important person to them. And, you know, I wanted to have that kind of impact and to be able to stay in the game that I love, but also help other uh, female athletes, especially um, thrive and grow and achieve their goals and dreams. You know, to be really Mm -hmm. honest, when I was, I'm I'm not a very big person, not a very big pitcher or anything like that. And I was told a lot when I was little that I would never play division one softball. Wasn't big enough wasn't strong enough, didn't throw fast enough, the whole nine yards that you could imagine. I was told that over and over again. You know, there were times that I didn't make the A team or the, you know, like elite travel team or whatever growing up. And I wanted to make sure that I was giving back to the sport and showing and helping equip other players with, okay, here's how you work and you persevere and you don't let anybody tell you what you can and can't do. Sports give so much to so much to kids and help them in so many ways, you know, post your athletic days. I just wanted to be able to have a part of that in growing and helping other people. And then I also wanted to grow female, female athletics in general. And that is a huge mm-hmm. passion of mine is to grow the game and to grow females uh, in, in athletics and in the world and the, the business world, everything. And so, you know, I feel like I've been able to do that and I feel very blessed to be able to do that. And there's not a time that goes by that I'm not blessed to be a small part of the journey of every athlete that comes through our program. How special and, and lucky am I to be able to be a part of their journey. And so anything I can do to support or help them, that's my ultimate goal and and my why. That's so beautiful. And ironically enough, I was also told by somebody who coached me that I wasn't going to be big enough to play a D1 at a D1 school. And I told, and that was where I was vocal enough to tell this coach that. And he was like, I don't know, you should probably aim a little smaller. And I, my first two years of high school, I was still under like five, three, and now I'm like mm-hmm. almost six foot, which is crazy. But yeah, like doubters are there. And and if I didn't have the right people around me telling me that like, it doesn't matter what anybody else says, I wouldn't have been able to do the things that I was able to do. So I just want to commend you for that because a lot of your players you probably see are being told these things and they're so much bigger than that. And absolutely. And the people they surround themselves with is important. Mm -hmm. And I just love the culture of your program. Tons of athletes that you've coached in high school have gone on to play college softball. Did you see a lot of their dreams spark in the high school realm or maybe before they got to you? Is that changing? 
Yeah. What's your yeah. 411? That's an interesting question. So I think that a lot of kids come into um, high school with the dream already there because they're starting at such a young age now and are able to mm-hmm. play, you know, high level athletics through travel and, and whatnot mm-hmm. and access to, you know, hitting coaches and training co- like speed coaches and things like that that help like kind of build that and instill that before they get to high school. But I think that high school is a huge turning point, especially, you know, just to be frank at a school like Penn High School that is so big and there's so many athletes and and so much talent that comes in year after year that I think once, you know, students get a taste of that or student athletes get a taste of the high school experience and can really see where they fall, that just the dream just kind of really takes off. You know, they start to see like, oh my gosh, I have this potential or I want to be like that or I want to, you know, have those opportunities or be that starter. And I think if they're willing to work at it at that point, that's where they really, really see and it kind of the roots start to like take hold if, you know, if you will. And so, um, yeah, I think high school, high school is a big deal. I think it does, um, really kind of change the trajectory for students. Some really, you know, buy in and take off and some realize, yeah, this might not be exactly what I thought I wanted to do or some, some students and it's totally fine or, I don't want to work this hard. You know, there's other things that I want to do or I have other interests um, and that's fine too. But I, I do think it, it kind of weeds kids out, um, especially mm-hmm. at the level that we're able to play at our high school. Totally. Now, I'm very curious about this. When you have a player who wants to play in college and she tells you from day one, and then you have a player who's just like, no, I'm just kind of good and I like to play. Do you coach them differently or is it the same for your program no matter what? I think we try to coach them exactly the same because a lot of kids change their mind along the way. I can't tell you how many players I've had did not want to play at all. Like they were just adamant that, no, you know, I'm good. I'm going to be okay when, when my senior year is done hanging up my cleats, I'm going to be fine. And then that, you know, kind of junior season ends and they see like, oh no, like, I want to play now. And it's like, ah, okay, we got some work to do then. Um, And so I think that, you know, you always keep that alive. So you always, always push them all the same. What I would say that I would do maybe differently is continuously meet with those students who do want to play, you know, see what they're thinking what their goals are, what they're, you know, and see how I can help maybe connect them with colleges or opportunities or camps or different things or work with their travel coaches to, you know, help get them in front of or access to different programs that they want to be at. So I do think that that's, you're able to kick that off, you know, right off the bat, if you know, and I can hold them accountable maybe in a little bit of a different way. So, you know, if they're not putting in the work, that's where I say, hey, here's what you told me you wanted to do. My job's mm-hmm. to get you there. Right now, you're not putting in the work. You're not doing the time. Would you agree? And kind of have that conversation with them and kind of help them reset their goals, reset their work ethic. And again, it's, it's just that accountability piece. Like, that's my job. This is what you asked me to do or you told me. So let's let's do it then. 
that's such a beautiful way to build trust. And it's so cool that like some girls are like, no, I don't want to play. And then all of a sudden they're a part of like a high level program and they're like, wait, there's more, like, let me taste it. Um, and I think that's so neat because you now have many college athletes who've even left college that are now giving back to the game again. Like, what is that like seeing some of your former high school players now coaching in college and even high school and, and that is one of the coolest things ever. Um, (laughs) I've been very blessed that I've had several former players come back and be an assistant coach in our program. And they have been amazing, wonderful role models and mentors. We've had several, several players do that. And I have several players that are coaching high school, they're coaching college, or they're playing. We finally have our uh, first professional athlete in Danielle Watson as well right now, too. And just to see the girls give back to the game has been so beautiful and it just makes my heart so happy all through COVID you know we really tried hard to keep our connections with our players and there wasn't a time that a Maddie Newman a Katie Quinlan a Danielle Watson didn't um um, uh, the Griman girls Alyssa and McKenzie didn't take the time to do Zooms and Skypes and meetings and anything that I asked or said hey we just I'm just trying to connect with my athletes do you mind doing this They have been just amazing as far as giving back to the game. We have players who come back and coach our middle school league for us and help run those practices and those games so that it's not just our coaching staff. They come back to little kids camp or, you know, just different events like that or in the community with other programs as well. And I just, I love to see it. And I think that that's what it's all about. Again, that's my why. I wanted to give back to the game. I wanted to grow the game. And I want these female athletes to be empowered to, you know, do whatever they want to do at the highest level. And I think now my girls are doing that to see, you know, that grow. It's a, that's the why that's, you know, that's what we want. So it's, it's just so heart heartwarming. Yes. I just saw Danielle Watson came back and like came and came to your camp maybe and worked yep. with some athletes. That is so neat that mm-hmm. they're willing to give back, especially like ones that go off and play pro. It's like, no, if you don't go back to the roots and where it all started, like it's not the same. So I think that's just amazing that you've created this culture where, where players just can't wait to come back and give you a hug and just give back yeah. with you. So that is so amazing. So you mentioned your girls. Do you mind kind of giving us a rundown of the three of your girls? I think it's so crazy because I, I literally see myself and my two sisters in your girls and your family. Give us a rundown of them, maybe what they're up to and maybe what their goals are a little bit. Absolutely. So now I I get to really talk about my pride and joy right here, my three babies. (laughs) Um, And you know, what's kind of cool for me too, is that they have been with me every step of the journey, literally. So my very first year, you know, helping out here at Penn was when I had Aubrey and then I had, you know, Ava a year later Mm -hmm. than Addison. And so they're, you know, they have really grown, this program's grown with them. So not only, you know, are these my three babies, but you know, the program's my baby too, in a way. And so it's just been really cool to experience every step of the journey with them and to have them now playing uh, for me is just, there's really no words to describe how special it is. It's what I always hoped would happen. And they've put in the work and the time to do that and make it happen. And, And the goal is theirs. It's not mine. It's not my husband's. It's, you know, they fell in love with the game too. And they have had the best role models in the world. So they have literally grown up with all these players we're talking about, watching them. wanting to be like them and being able to just sit on their laps and and hang with them and throw with them and thinking that they were really big time when they were little too. So 
that, you know, that's been cool. So my oldest, Aubrey, is going to be a junior this year. She is a pitcher. Uh, she's the one who really took to pitching. And um, while I love that and I'm super proud of it since, you know, I was a pitcher, it is the most stressful thing in the world. It's I it's would rather be. coach every single state championship, semi-state finals, et cetera, than just sit at any, like, any game whatsoever and, and have to watch her mm-hmm. pitch. It's just, mm-hmm. you just want her to succeed succeeds so bad and you have no control. This is her journey and it's her game and it's, you know, so, um, it's, it's hard. It's hard to have a picture, I think for anybody, but then I think, you know, maybe it's a little worse for me right now. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I can't even imagine that. Yeah. And then in the high school games, you know, I'm, I would call pitches, so I'm calling her pitches. And so I know, you know, this is on me too. Like, how can I help her succeed and make sure that I'm doing well and doing my jobs for any kid. But, uh, when Mm -hmm. it's your own kid, it's, I think it's just, it's just really stressful. But she's awesome. She's super calm and you would never, ever see any emotion or stress or anxiety, anything like that. She is the calmest, kindest, sweetest human being I think ever. She is super responsible. She could run my life for me. She <laughs> is at the top of her class academically. She wants to be a doctor. Um, that's her wow. goal. So her goal is obviously, I mean, she wants to play in college, she wants to play softball, but academics really are kind of her driving force. She wants to go to a very strong, you know, high level academic school. She'd like to play softball on top of that. But her goal is to be a doctor, like some type of special t- specialty um, field. Hasn't narrowed that down yet, but um, takes a ton of classes, doesn't even leave herself room for a study hall, takes zero hour waits in order to fit in a biomedical pathway and her AP and dual credit classes as well. So she's a neat kid and I love to brag on her because I love her passion uh, for what she Mm. eventually wants to do and help people do uh, or help people in the future. Ava is my, yeah, Ava is my sophomore. So she'll be a sophomore this year. And she is probably one of the most intense players I've ever coached. And I think it's neat to watch her be a little different than her sister. They each have their own unique thing, which I love. You know, they're not competing with each other or trying to be the same position or anything like that, or the same person. They have their own path, their own story, their own goals. Ava's not sure what she wants to do in the future. So we're still figuring that out. She's more, uh, hey, I want to go work out and I want to do this and lift. And she's a very, very very um, committed strength and conditioning student. She works very, very closely with our strength coach, Matt Cates at Penn High School. And he has worked with her since she was a sixth grader. So she was committed wow. even as a, a sixth grader. She would go to school with me before school three times a week and work out with him and our wrestling coach and our football coach. And she's just super driven to be uh, strong. She's incredibly fast and she's a third baseman, middle infielder. So, you know, she kind of plays that third base spot, which you got to be a little crazy tough, right? To be a, a third totally. <laughs> takes a special girl. person. Yes, it does. It does. So she does that. She's a left-handed um, hitter. She can slap, she can bunt, but you, she's got a lot of power too. So mm-hmm. she's a neat kid and, and watching her evolve and stuff is going to be a, a lot of fun. She puts a lot of pressure on herself. So she needs to relax a little bit, but um, I love her intensity. You can't teach it. Like you either have Mm -hmm. that level of like, I'm getting after this game, right. And playing hard or you don't. She has that. She she might get that from her mom. 
Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I, and I think Aubrey gets kind of that calm uh, demeanor and attitude and composure from her dad. So, <laughs> so cool. It's a good split. I love house. that. Yeah. I love that. And then our youngest is just a fireball. Like seriously, she's my little uh, strawberry blonde, you know, redheaded baby. So, uh, and she is my baby and she knows it. And she uh, plays second base. She's in seventh grade. She's getting ready to try out for the volleyball team for the first time at middle school. And uh, yeah, plays second base out. She's a very good outfielder. All my girls hit left. So they're all left-handed. It's uh, a way to hitters. do it. I don't know if there's any other way. I'm just right? <laughs> I know. Exactly. They never picked up a bat. Right. So we were said, nope, wow. this is what we're doing. So Wow. I moved over when I was 12. So I did start yeah. right. But see, I got did a lot too. of love for my lefties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did too. I was switched over eventually as I got older and, you know, made a slapper. And so we decided right from the bat that we were going to learn to swing first. And then we would add the toolbox of slapping and bunting. So mm-hmm. um, she does that as well. And she's just, she's super funny. She is so funny and she's so unique and she'll be a lot of fun to watch too. So. That's amazing. Now I can just tell you beam with joy talking about them. Like what makes you the most proud as a mom of just three daughters who are just their own, their own athlete that you're not trying to make them into anything, but that just find their passions. Like how proud does that make you? Oh my gosh. It, it makes me so proud because you know, something that I try to always tell my girls and then I always we try to instill as a culture, you know, at Penn too, is that you are a a person first, like you are you first and you have so many strengths and qualities and goals. Softball is a part of that. Like softball is something you do. It's not who you are. Like I'm not, you know, coach Zachary, the softball coach, like I'm a mom, I'm a, you know, educator, et cetera. Like, you, you know, I always try to instill in my athletes that you are so much more than just this game. This game is a piece of who you are, not the other way around. And so I think that's, you know, I'm proud that my girls have bought into that. I think they're strong, independent young women who are are going to do a lot of really great things beyond the game. We really try to separate the softball from, from just mom and family. You know, softball is something that we obviously do and is huge significant part of our family but it's not all we do we you know we like to travel we like to just hang out watch movies be you know in the pool do go to the lake things like that and I try really really hard to uh just be mom after every game I try not to talk about the game to harp on them I don't push them to practice so you know of course every now and then you're like hey do you want to go I'm gonna go to the field do you want to go but they drive that and I'm really proud of that too that I don't have to motivate them or stay on them or be coach at home most of the time it's them dragging us out because we're like <laughs> so tired ourselves saying hey will you go throw more to me or dad will you catch me and you know that's on them and I think that's the work ethic that's been instilled in them. And I'm proud of that. I want them to be hard workers. I want them to be internally motivated, but I also want them to be kind people. And I want them to try everything. Don't just do softball, do lots of different things. So, yeah, I think that is so valuable because there's a lot of my listeners are parents and coaches at the same time, just like you. And a big question is like, how do you separate it? And I think you just, you just, said that beautifully. It's like you you learn how to have things that you do as a family aside from softball and you don't talk about it and you're just mom. Do you ever have to say, hey, mom hat's on right now? Like, 
I need a break from, from softball real quick. Do you have to ever pull that card? Absolutely. You definitely have to do that for sure. There's times where like, I'll even have to look at my assistant coaches or my husband and be like, I, I've got to turn it off for a little bit. Like I need a day that is nothing, no softball, yeah. anything like that. And intentionally make that happen because, you know, I, I constantly have phone calls or emails or uh, recruiting different things and stuff like that, that are always going on all year long. And so turning it off is really hard. I've said this before, but I honestly think being a high school coach, especially at a school like Penn is a full-time job in itself. If you do it right and you're, you know, you're fully committed to your players and and your program. So, you know, my, when I say program too, that's not just my 30 kids that play for me every given season. It's the middle school kids. It's the little kids. It's, you know, everybody that we're trying to work with. And also I work really hard and, and sometimes I'm good at this. And sometimes I have periods of time where I'm really bad at it, but I try really hard to stay connected with alum too Mm -hmm. and make sure I'm checking in with them and that they know that they're still important to me. I see them that I, you know, you you know, your, your family's beautiful. I have players with kids. I have, you know, players still playing and all kinds of things. So I try really hard to stay connected with them as well. Yeah. I mean, you're all over Twitter, like reposting some of your former athletes and even athletes that you do have like, Hey, keep going. I think that's just amazing. And I wanted to talk to you about trust and it seems like you putting your family first and being a mom first and making sure your players like know that about you. I truly believe that's a reason why your players would do anything for you. And when you are hard on them, cause you don't build a program that's super successful without some of those moments. But when you are hard on them, they're like, yes, I'll, I will run through a brick wall for you. And I think that trust aspect is huge. So when it comes to player development, like what is your mission at practice? Like, is it I'm sure every day is different, but like, do you have like an end goal for, you know, a practice, like a focus every day, a, Hey, this is, this is the lineup of things that, that we're going to do today. And you guys are going to do whatever you can to be great at it. Like, give me a little taste of like a week long practice maybe. And like how you go about that and getting a lot out of your kids. So so a line that I constantly say, my players will laugh if they see this is that if you're going to be here, be here. It's time to just, when you walk in, we're just going to drop everything else. We're going to be focused and we're going to be intentional. And we're going to go at everything with intensity. And what I try to do at every single practice and workout is build in competition. There has to be competition. We have to be competing at everything we do. And that could be a silly like rock, paper, scissors game to just kind of get things going or, or whatever the case may be. But we are going hard. And I'm going to put you in situations to be uncomfortable. This is your safe place to fail miss the ball strike out like but let's dive let's go for it let's swing as hard as we can it's just what I've always done and how I how I function so we go into practice we say here's our goals today here's what we're going to work out our work at today and the kids know exactly what to expect there's no surprises they know I'm not adding in conditioning. I'm not adding in this or that. Like, this is what we're going to achieve. We're going to do it until we've got it down. And then we're going to stop. That's it for today. And we'll come back and we'll come back at it fresh tomorrow. Once we achieve our goals, we're done. I don't hold kids over. We don't, you know, like we're not staying another 20 minutes or an hour or whatever. No. Okay. 
practice is done, we either achieved our goals or we didn't quite. So this is going to build on tomorrow. And so I'm just big on that consistency, mm-hmm. that transparency, high expectations, but also room to fail. If we didn't get it, we're, let's come back at it tomorrow fresh. Firmly believe in overtraining. I think that's a real thing. I think that female athletes can only uh, handle so much push before it's, I'm trying to please you. I'm trying to do a good job. And now I feel like I'm not doing any of that and needing that time to kind of regroup mentally and emotionally. And and I, I just want practice to be a safe place, but I also want it to be intense and focused. And so there's always something for everybody to do. There's no standing around. I'm fortunate to have a big staff for a high school. So I will say that I know that I'm blessed in that. And that's very hard for a lot of high school coaches to do. Sometimes it's just one or two people at practice. But if I can have players lead drills or stations or or take ownership of their own like pitching bullpen, like here's what I want you to achieve today, go do it. Catchers, your job is to report back to me, you know, strikes ratio, et cetera. You know, if I can even empower them to do that, then I don't have any standing around. I don't have any inefficiency. I want it to run like college. I want it to be purposeful and productive. That's amazing. That's amazing. And I love that you almost celebrate failure. It's like, no, this is like your laboratory, like you're meant to fail here and you do push. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just incredible. And I'm sure you have practices where girls walk away and they're like, dude, that was awful. Like, what do you do? Like when your team just doesn't have a great practice, like, how do you, how do you go about that? Cause it's, it's inevitable. It probably happens multiple times a year. Like, how do you approach that the next day when you talk to your athletes? Yeah. So sometimes I'll even talk to them at the very end of that practice and we'll pull everybody together and we'll say, all right, we just don't have it today. Like, how do we feel? And then I'll let them give me some feedback. I think that that, like having them own it and give me feedback Mm -hmm. other than me trying to figure out what's going on is the best way to handle, handle kids. And we have to remember like, as a high school coach, I'm still working with kids. Like they don't have control over some of them. I would say, you know, I, again, I take this, you know, it's not a blanket statement, but don't have control over what's for dinner tonight or what else they have to do or chores or this or that. Right. Like, whereas a college athlete, like you're controlling the rest of your day, a high school kid's just different. And so I think sometimes getting their feedback is really helpful because I might say, what is going on? And they'll be like, Code Zach, it's, it's max out week at strength and conditioning. And we can't even feel our legs mm. right now. And I won't even re- like realize that. And here I am like pushing them and they're so sore. And it's like, okay, you know what? Tomorrow we're going to do an hour. We're going to do a hit and get, and then you yeah. go home tomorrow. And they're like, Whew. you know what I mean? And I think they appreciate that. And they give you more if you do, you know, you listen to them and you try to work with them. You know, sometimes, you know, they'll say, oh gosh, you know, we're, we're not understanding cuts and relays. Like this doesn't make sense. It's like, okay, let's talk about it. Do you want me to draw it out for you? Like how do you need to visually see it? Would that be helpful? And they'll be like, yeah, I'll be like, all right, I'll bring that tomorrow. We'll do that tomorrow. And so, you know, I think sometimes we just need to do that and then regroup. But then I have that feedback to make an informed decision instead of just trying to guess because they're, they're high school girls, they're teenagers. They got a lot going on. Sometimes you need to follow up individually. So sometimes I just need to pull somebody aside and say, hey, what, what's up? Do you need anything? Is anything going on? And they may say no, or they may then just like open up and, and tell you kind of what's really happening with them. Sometimes we'll start practice. Let's say it was a bad day. We don't do any of that. We just come back the next day and we say, all right, here's our goals. Yesterday didn't go very well. Let's go back at it today. And they'll have a great day and it'll be totally mm-hmm. fine. 
So I think it just kind of depends on what's going on. I do. I am a firm believer on feeling out the girls. If, if I'm tired, right. they're tired. If I'm sore, they're 10 times worse off as far as how their body feels than I am because they're the ones repping out. You know right. what I mean? So I think being in tune with your players is so important and, and asking them, ask them what they need, ask them what's going on. They're going to yeah. tell you. I think some of my most fun practices were like a day after like a really tough day. The coaches are like, all right, what do you guys want to do today? And we're like, we get to decide, like we get to decide what we want to do. And it's like, when you give players ownership, they show up different. Yep. Yep. I love that. I totally agree. And as we head towards postseason, I'm a firm believer in shortening practices, Mm -hmm. short, efficient. Like we, we put in the work. Like this is mm-hmm. time to show up and play. So I do that. I do that a lot. And we say, what do you want today? What do you want to work on? Anybody want to stay and work on anything else? If not, go. Get out of here. See yeah. you tomorrow. And, and they're tired. I mean, they've just played a bunch of games in season. I know college coaches do something similar. Um, it's like, okay, they've put in the work. Now, when you say you've put in the work, is that just a few weeks before season starts? Like when do you hammer the hardest? Yeah, I would say preseason, to be honest, is the hardest before we even start playing games. So that kind of time period between a week or two before tryouts until, you know, our first week or two of, of actual playing competition. And I say, I think that's the hardest because that's when it's like, all right, it's time to like push you mentally, physically, emotionally, figure out who is ready to perform. I mean, the work's been put in as far as strength, conditioning, fall ball, et cetera, like all of that stuff over the winter and the fall. Now it's time for us to actually set up situations, put pressure on you, having you playing against each other, figuring out what lineups are going to look like, who are start, you know, who starters are going to be working through cuts and relays and bunk coverages and first and thirds and you know all of the the little nuances of the game, which can be really frustrating and really tough, and you know making tough decisions about who starters are and what the depth chart looks like and all of that. So I think that's the hardest little bit right there. Then we play a couple of games, which we play super, our competition is top notch. And then it's okay, after spring break, now we need to regroup what what is not going well. What is, let's capitalize on that, but what do we really need to get better at now? So you say you mentioned pushing them mentally. I would love to hear a few strategies where you're like, yeah, we're gonna push them today. Um, what are some of the exercises that you do? You don't have to share all of the secrets, but like some no, of the stuff okay. that you work on. Yeah, I would say it's it's a combination of physical and mental and softball, right? Because they go hand in hand. So, mm-hmm. you know, you may put um, players in a uh, kind of uh, negative count uh, as far as hitting and it's okay. Let's go into this uh, count with a one-two. You're one-two. You got one ball. You got two strikes. What are you going to do right now? How are you going to execute? So you put them in. You have them perform. Then I have them tell me, what was your strategy? What was your plan? What were you going to do? Like, what were you thinking as you stepped into that batter's box in that situation? Having them verbally um, talk through that. Um, Putting them, I think anytime you can put them in competitive games or situations against each other, you're mentally and emotionally pushing them at the same time you're trying to build their physical performance. So, you know, starting runners off four or five steps in front of home plate and saying, okay, you got to get this girl out at first base. If we can Mm. make them faster and frustrate them and have them fail, 
until they they get it or they pick up on those situations, they're going they're going to perform better. Working through cuts and relays and having them talk through, they have to communicate through everything they're doing. So the catcher's calling the play, shortstop or second base are saying, I'm going out to be the lead cut. Second base has to come across and say, I'm the trailer in this situation. First base, I'm trailing uh, the runner all the way to second. And I have second on this one. And having them like actually talk through what they're doing, not just go do it, that creates, right? If you do brain research, I'm a nerd about brain and learning and all of that type of stuff. I love learning about that. Then you know it's going to stick. It's going to stick better if you're pushing them to, to think through situations like that. Incredible. I know you're a book nerd and you were just talking about how you're like super <laughs> into this stuff. Have you read Winning the Mental Game by Amber Selking yet? I have. Yes. Okay. I w- so I just interviewed her for the podcast. Like she's going to be a guest of mine in season three. That's amazing. <laughs> All of these strategies that you are talking about is like when you say there's research done, yes. Like the psychology there aspect is. tells you and how much easier are games when you've been pushed so hard in practice and have to speed up the game so hard in practice to where games are like, this is simple. Like, Shoot. Right. Like, and you're creating this that mental strategy that in the game they're thinking through and they're talking through themselves too. So who do we yeah. talk to the most? We talk to ourselves more mm-hmm. than we talk to anybody else in the world, right? Mm-hmm. Inside our own head. So what are you telling yourself? Is it strategy and is it positive or are you not thinking anything except don't mess up, don't fail, don't suck. I hate that term, like don't suck. I hate I when know. coaches use that. I can't stand it. Uh, it's a personal pet peeve of mine because why would I ever put that term in my player's head like no like I'm going to hit I'm going to get a hit I can do this you know you want positive self-talk that's so important as well yeah so in your practices are there days where like you do little to no actual physical work and a lot of mental work and just instilling some of those things we do yeah we do um or we try to build in something especially i would say like winter workouts i try to build in a lot of um let's talk about this and that we'll be across the gym floor and we'll be uh journaling or writing or working as a group to think about you know different things so like for instance one thing that i'll have players do is i'll have them you know i am i need to i'm not so it's like what am i doing right now like as far as making myself better to reach my goals. So it's all going back to that goal setting. So what am I doing right now? Then what am I not doing that I need, I really should be doing and I know it. Like these are high school kids. They know what they're doing. They know what they're, I'm not getting my reps in. I'm not going to strength and conditioning. I'm not da 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 da. I'm not getting my homework done, et cetera. And then, so then you're, I will. So that's where like, okay, let's regroup, make your, make your, uh, I am statements. Like I will statements is this is what you're going to do over the next week. The more I can keep things short term and keep refocusing kids, the better, or, Mm -hmm. you know, we'll sit and we'll, I'll be like, all right, so we are, you know, like we act like we achieve, like we are driven by the five people that we're closest to. Right. So who are the five people right now that you're spending the most time with? Like who are the voices and who are the people that are influencing and that you're listening to? So they'll do that. Are they helping you? Like, let's honestly, like, how are they helping you? And that might be like the boyfriend or the friend who isn't doing anything. And it may be time to reassess how much time we're spending with those people. And then who are you not spending time with that you could be? So that could be Mm -hmm. like your hitting coach. It could be your parents. You're like, have you been home lately? 
you know, those types of things. So um, you know, just try to reflect and, and do those types of things to make, you know, kids refocus. But we, we do a lot of that. We also um, this year started talking about self-talk and just kind of mental health overall that, you know, obviously that's huge and it's important. And it's not, it shouldn't be a secondary. It should be a primary for these student athletes. Their lives are hard. They're busy. As a mom of three girls, I see the stress and the coming home and the doing homework and trying to still have friends and boyfriends and, you know, just like all the stuff that kids should do that it's just hard to do anymore Mm -hmm. and coming off of COVID. And so we have a director of mental health and PHM. We're fortunate with that resource as well. And we took, uh, we replaced some practices with um, some, you know, meetings with her this year where, and it wasn't necessarily diving into anything. It wasn't counseling. It wasn't anything like that. It was more, how do you take care of yourself? Like, what are you doing mm-hmm. to take care of yourself? Like, what are, how do you, what's that, you know, self-care? How, what can you do or what strategies do you do to, to calm down? It was in the middle of season that we did a really powerful one where it's, what are you saying in your head right now? Like, how are you feeling? Because that's where you start to like have like, you have high moments, you got really crappy games, right? You don't feel very good about yourself. And so how can we flip the script of what we're saying to be positive? So we just did a lot of kind of work with that and built a toolbox that kind of helped us throughout the year. And um, I plan to do more of that moving forward as well. That's so cool that you have, you bring in these outside sources that probably like, you know, that you should be saying positive things in your head. But if you have like a literal expert, like a director of mental health coming in and talking about the things that's, it's further than just positive affirmations. It's deeper than that. It's giving them space to talk. I think that's just an incredible example of just how you are helping these athletes be humans first. And without being humans first, we cannot be successful athletes. So that's amazing. Exactly. And it gave opportunities for us to participate as participants with the kids that they could see us. Mm -hmm. And they heard, you know, one of the things that I said is I keep saying in my head, like, be coach, don't be mom. You know what I mean? And they heard me say that even though, you know, with my two daughters in the room, like, this is hard for me. Like, I'm working hard at this. And then they heard, like, my assistant coach say, I am having a hard time saying, man, did I screw up, screw that up because he coaches third base for me. Like, I just don't want to mess up. I don't want to, to fail the kids. And for them to hear like this big football coach, you know, yeah. like that to see us as humans too, who are struggling just like them with, are we doing enough? Are we helping you? Like, you know, we don't want to screw up either. I don't want to call it the wrong pitch or play or, or whatever. So it just really, that creates such a, a vulnerable, but honest and safe culture. And just a bond. Like the fact that he's admitting to something that every player doesn't want to screw up either. Like, wow. How cool is that? That's epic. There was someone on Twitter who asked me that if I ever interviewed a high school coach to ask this question, what's the hard lesson that coaching has taught you? Or multiple hard lessons. (laughs) Oh gosh, so many. I think the hard lesson, I think one of the things that I'm obviously still working at it, but it's been really hard. Presuming positive intent and understanding that, you know, oh, I think when I first started, there's a lot of things that I did that I wish I could take back. Yelling at a kid for wearing their uniform pants to practice when I didn't realize that there wasn't laundry opportunities at home and that's what she had. Mm. And I didn't take the time to just have that 
calmer, nicer conversation. Having a parent question me and me instantly be defensive and, and think that they're attacking me when they may have just honestly been asking the question or realizing that not everybody comes from the athletic background that I have. Yeah. And they just don't get that you just don't talk to me right after a game. Like, you know, as mm-hmm. far as coming up mm-hmm. and questioning me, I will always talk to any parent or player, but, you know, those types of things. I think that that's, that's the, been the hardest lesson is to realize, like, I'm building people. And, yes, I want to win. And, yes, I, you know, my job depends on on winning, right? Like, you, I mean, you want to win. You want to build this. But I'm building people first. And that, you know, I think some of my uh, former players would say that I've their terms would be like gotten soft or easier, I think, as I've gotten older. And I would say I've just gotten more empathetic, kinder, calmer, and learned maybe over time to sweat the, you know, don't sweat the small stuff. There's still Mm -hmm. big things that you have to address and deal with, but to presume positive intent and not be defensive or like in attack mode all the time is important. Totally. Now, is there a lesson that maybe being mom and their coach at the same time has taught you? Or maybe one that just keeps coming up that you're still working on? Because it's I think it's just so amazing that you're sharing any of this. But if you're willing to share, I know there's a lot of parent coaches. Yeah, it's it's the hardest thing. It's so hard. There's like I think there's three things that I would say. And one first I've already said is after the games, after practices, just be the parent. Um, especially high school and beyond. Like these kids know they went 0 for 4. They know they didn't have a good performance. They know already know that they booted the ball. And I know you want to help them. I want to help them. And I want to give them all the feedback and all the advice. But even if you tell them and have that conversation, or it's not going to click anyway in that moment. It's not how our brains work. So I would say, you know, let them come to you. So the more Dave and I, my husband and I have stopped doing that, like, or, or just not done that. Honestly, we, we've been, I would say, pretty good about never being that, like, let's talk about it right away. But they're going to come to you and they're going to say, hey, will you work with me on this? Or like, why am I rolling over the ball? Like, why am I not getting, you know, quality contact? Okay, well, here's what I'm seeing you do. And then you can work through that with them, but let them come to you because they know. And sometimes they don't want to hear from you. Maybe they want to go to their coach, you know, the next day at practice. And I think that you got to be okay with that too. It's not anything against you as the parent. They just want you to be the parent and the coach to be the coach. So just let that happen. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, so I think that's a big one. I think treat your kid the same. So that's been a big one for me too. So there's a couple things that I've intentionally done that some people may not have done, but you know, my, in Aubrey's freshman year, you know, she's coming out, she's a pitcher. She was starting a lot of games. My senior pitcher was coming off of a major surgery. She was phenomenal athlete and pitcher as well. And she, we were easing her back in and, you know, Ops was throwing a no hitter and we were getting ready to go into spring break and this other pitcher had been released to you know play like an inning or so and i pulled her i pulled her from the no hitter and i had i can't even tell you how many people say i can't i can't believe you did that you don't ever do that like let her go this she's a freshman that would have been her first no hitter i don't care i don't care in the scheme of things because it's about my program and it's about my team 
that's about us being ready, you know, postseason. And Aubrey didn't even know. She had no clue and she was mm-hmm. so happy. And they both on Twitter that night tweeted each other out as having a they ended up with a Kodo hitter. And what a cool growth experience. And I don't care if it's my kid. I don't care who it is. Like I'm gonna do the best thing for the team. So treat everybody the same. I think, you know, treat your kids the same. They, I know you love them. I know you want these great moments for them, but you have to keep the team first. That um, story gives me goosebumps. I have goosebumps yeah, thinking about that. Yeah. I took a lot of heat. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe people were really mad at me, but a lot of dads were really mad at me about it. Like, you just don't do that. And I guess that's baseball. Maybe mm-hmm. the baseball culture inside of that. You know, you don't speak of a no-hitter. You don't pull a kid from a no-hitter, but... It just, it wasn't the right thing to do in that moment. And I wanted, you know, I wanted this other player to be able to get her time in too. And, you know, we had a situation this year too, where I I had to hold Ava accountable, you know, and I did and publicly did. And, you know, I I think it, it shows everybody that like, they're not just getting special treatment or me just dealing with something at home and letting it slide here. You are what you allow. You know, you are, your culture, your program is going to be what you allow to happen. Um, And it's no different when it's your own kid, even though it's really hard, really hard. She didn't talk to me for two days at home, but came back around and then was like, thank you. Like, you know what I mean? Like they get Mm -hmm. it, they know, but that's hard parenting, hard. The last thing too, and it's kind of along the lines, the third thing about treating them the same is don't neglect them either because you're trying to show everybody that you're not giving them more attention or opportunities or whatever. Like, don't do that either. Cause I've seen that happen a lot where then everybody else gets the time and the attention or the feedback or the whatever, and you don't give them the time and attention that they deserve to. So I see that happen a lot. A lot of coaches, you know, pay so much attention to everybody else and their kid gets the short end of the, you know, the deal on mm-hmm. that. And so I think you got to be mindful that you're not doing that either. My freshman year, I was, you know, I can give this example that I was doing the cuts, like our cuts or you made it and here's our conversation talks. Went through every single kid. It's like, all right. Here we go. We'll see you guys tomorrow. And Aubrey said, um, you didn't do mine. Oh my gosh. Totally, total bad moment because I was putting her off. You know what I mean? Like I was trying to get all these other kiddos taken care of. And that probably wasn't right, the right thing either. It was a bad move. So wow. those that would be a couple things. Hard. Mm-hmm. No, it's, I, it's hard. You just yeah. learn all the time. You just keep learning. Just thank you for being so honest because I think there's a lot of people here who have, they're literally raising their hand, like victim to that. <laughs> you guys are going to laugh about the cut story. I know like in like 10 years, she's going to bring it up. Yes. Remember that one time, like you didn't say my name. We still um, laugh about it. We still laugh about it. I would, I would also say too, sorry, but I would also say too, I have a couple of really close people to me that yeah. I'm able to bounce ideas off or to say, Hey, like, what do you think about this decision? Like who should start in this game? Who shouldn't? And, you know, those are staff members. My assistant coach is amazing. He's amazing. Mm-hmm. He's been through it with his two daughters, Alyssa and McKenzie. And he's probably my biggest sounding board as far as just talking to him and, and getting his honest perspective on things too. And then sometimes you play good cop, bad cop. So, you know, Brian Griman and I are great about that. So sometimes like he needs to talk to them, not me. So Mm -hmm. be okay with that too, or have like those safe people that you can honestly be like, I'm struggling with this. What do I do? Or what do you see? Or can you help me with it? Yeah. So that kind of leads straight into like, what are ways that you're growing yourself? 
Like, because I know you have a growth mindset, like you're helping your players, especially, you know, after a season of COVID, we're like, I'm sure things have changed and they had to for the times that we're in. But how are you strategizing your own growth during your coaching experience? Yeah. So I try to get feedback from my players as much as possible and ask them for feedback, like what works well for you? What doesn't, what are we doing well? What would you like to see happen? I do, you know, player meetings and meetings with upcoming, like upperclassmen, especially and say, what do you want this season to look like for you? So I'm always trying to evolve and try new things. Community service is huge for me. It's huge for my program. And so I'm always looking for opportunities that my players can give back. We are very um, connected with Ronald McDonald House here in Michiana and do a lot of work with them throughout the year. I used to run marathons for them when I was running marathons, and it's just kind of special to me. My two nephews stayed there, and and my brother and sister-in-law were uh, directly impacted by Ronald McDonald House. So we just try to do things like that. So I'm constantly trying to grow in that area. Any opportunity I can hit, podcast, webinar, go to a conference and learn is huge. I would say right now, and and I'm an avid reader, as you know, so I I just devour uh, books on not only softball, but just leadership in general or the brain or athletes, female athletes and how they tick and work and different stories of different coaches and their experiences or their journeys. So constantly try to learn. You just learn. Mm -hmm. Like the more you meet people or you read or you research, like... You learn something. Like there's a takeaway. There's a reflection there, of course. But I think the biggest growth for me right now in this season of life is just watching my girls go through this journey. Like I'm reflecting over and over again. Like this is what I'm doing well. This is what I'm not doing well. Like I got to switch this up. You want to talk about honest feedback? Come home with two teenagers who say that practice sucked. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? Like that's honest feedback. And it's why. It's like, well, Mm -hmm. we did this and this, but like, we really wanted to work on, okay, okay, then tell me, Mm -hmm. you know, those types of things. So learning that, and then I say, another thing I'm really trying to grow at is the recruiting process, how it's changing and evolving so that I can help players too. So high school coaches get a kind of a bad rap as far as their role, I think, in that process. I think a lot of high school coaches stay hands-off because you hear over and over again that high school doesn't matter. There's a lot of people who say it doesn't matter and that uh, you could you know, you can play and and not play high school ball and still get recruited. And yeah, that's true. You can. Uh, some places. Some places are going to be like, why aren't you playing for your school and your community and with kids that you've grown up with? Like, it's a it's a bigger picture and I think a mm-hmm. different goal, you know what I mean, than travel softball. So I'm just really trying to learn about that because I've always tried to be very active and involved in that process for my players. And um, when I see opportunities, I I'm I have no problem initiating or trying to connect and, and help them with that process as well. So just really trying to learn and, and grow and continue to build connections. I've been blessed. I've had 39 players since 2008 go on to play college softball that have been through the the PIN program. I was going to ask if you knew your number. That's amazing. Yeah, it's it's 39 39 players, all different levels from junior college to division one. And I'm super proud of that. And we've had as a high school program an active role in a lot of those a lot of those transitions our college is coming and plucking students off of high school fields and watching games to find players probably not 
Probably not. But typically when I talk to college coaches, they do want to know character. They want to know the family dynamic. You know, they want to know a lot of the intangible things about a player that I can answer better than anybody because I'm with them all day at school, uh, seeing them after school, seeing their parents in, you know, six times a week, that child is with me. You know, there's been years until Aubrey Neva played for me where I spent more time with my players than I did with my own three girls here at home. So, you know, you get to know those things as a high school coach. And so a lot of times a college coach, they're recruiting a student athlete, they're recruiting a family and they want to know, you know, a lot of those things about, about that player. So I think that's, that's where beautiful. high school comes in. Yeah. I think high school coaches have to build that trust. You have to build that relationship. You have to build that level of excellence in your program to be taken seriously. I, I, I do think that, but I do think it's an important part that a lot of people don't think or, or want to downplay. And it is important. Totally. And with those 39 players, what a number. Holy smokes. That's so cool. I think what I what you do differently that I've never seen before is you don't just have a varsity team, a JV and a freshman. You you literally have programs that help feed them into your system. Can you just share a little bit about the the feeder system that you've created to help develop players especially at a younger age so that they can be ready and prepared to compete at the highest level once they do get to your programs in high school? Yeah, so I saw a huge need for this probably maybe it have been almost 8 to 10 years ago now where there had always been even before I came to Penn a summer program where local high school like NLC, NIC schools had put together like summer teams of their players to just kind of keep playing throughout the summer, stay together. This is, you know, on it. If you go way back, it was essential to keep your players together because you didn't have training and strength and conditioning or you didn't have travel wasn't as, as big as it is now or as intense as it is now. So um, high school players would be playing. So my first couple of years here at Penn, like I, my high schoolers would come and play these games, but oh my gosh, they were so tired and burnt out and we were coming off of season. And I'm like, okay, do I have an opportunity here that I'm missing? Can I have my middle schoolers do this? And yeah, I can, I can. There's nothing you know wrong with that. So, you know, I started opening up and we call it our middle school league. And it has grown. I had 43 players in it this summer. And, you know, we started out with one team. It went to two teams. Some years it's been three teams. But sixth, seventh, and eighth graders sign up. They practice with us. So we hold practices with our coaching staff or with former players who are home, alumni, come out. We run practices. We talk about expectations. We keep it fun. But we also teach some of the things that we want them to know before they get to the high school um, that we think that they need to work on better or get faster just fun, a lot of fundamentals, a lot of fundamentals. Mm -hmm. And so we do that. And sometimes we play those other schools, those other high school teams that are still, you know, playing. And that's really cool. Cause then you've got, you know, these little sixth, seventh graders hitting against a junior or senior and they get a hit and they're so excited. So talk about empowering them. Like, oh my mm -hmm. gosh, you know, this is awesome. But they're also, they're playing for us and they're on the pin field for the first time. And their parents have their very first, you know, pin picture. And you build that, like, I want to be here. I want to do this. We make it fun and sometimes they play each other. So we just keep moving rosters around and they play with all these kids that they're, you know, rivals with in travel ball or that, you know, to be honest, like this kid made this team and I got cut, but here we're going to play together at Penn. 
Mm-hmm. Like we're going to play together. So we're going to be on the same field and let's work out and let's do this. And so it's just been really special and fun. And I, I love it. And it's been huge as far as development. You know, we know the girls, we know their names, we know their families, we know the positions that they play or that they want to play. We also too have already targeted some things that they need to work on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that's, that's really, it's been really cool. We also run a little kids camp that we do every year. And that's all PHM. So every Penn High School team runs a camp. We've always done it. I did it since I was an assistant coach here. And that's K through eight. And we have different sessions and levels for our players. And I'm really, really passionate about my players running that camp. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a personal, personal preference for me. I don't assign captains ever on my teams because I feel like anybody can be the captain of the ship at any point that, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, who you are. We should all be leaders. We should all be, you know, acting like champions. So I feel like anybody can step up, be the leader, be the captain at any point. But that is an opportunity for those girls to say, hey, we wanted, we were like you. We came to camp. We're here. We made the team. We're Penn High School softball players. Now we're going to give back to you. We're going to lead camp. We're going to show you these drills and how we do things. I'm going to be your partner. And, you know, I partner them up. They have a partner for the week and they develop this relationship with this big girl. A lot of times the little girls follow them all throughout season, come and and see them, get posters, get their autographs. It's just so, yeah, it's so fun. And my players get to be leaders. My players get to be stars, even the ones who might be role players for me or might not be starters yet. In that that week of little kids camp, they're the star. They're the mm-hmm. hero. And mm-hmm. that is, I think, so powerful for these kids. They've earned it and they deserve it. And I'm just really, really big on that. That is so cool. And I again, I don't see this happen often, but you think about the relationships that they're starting prior to even playing in high school, they're starting early. So they're not like getting to high school, don't know anybody yet. Like they, they know each other and they have competed against each other, against each other and with each other. Now you have built a championship culture, like, and a championship program. Like you guys are winning so much. And I think a lot of it comes down to the trust that the players have within each other. Do you have like one or two things that you can think of that allow these players to just selflessly give everything that they have and fight for the person to their right or their left? Or like, what do you preach to your kids so that they can be that for each other and really get along in the field? I think the biggest thing is, you know, trust is earned, right? So they have to put in the work and hold each other accountable, not me hold them accountable. When they have gone to strength and conditioning at 7 a.m. before school every day and taken showers and eaten, you know, cafeteria food before school and have put in that time together, there's something to be said for going through that grind. And when you're not there, you're not putting in that time or that energy I don't trust you. I don't know that you're going to be ready. Like, I don't trust that you're going to give what I'm trying to give to this program or this team or each other. So the biggest thing I think is, is accountability to each other. Like I'm not going, I'm going here for me because I want to be better, but I'm going here because I want my team to be better. Mm -hmm. I, we want to win this championship together and we're all committed to this cause. And so, um, I've had a couple of years where I've really had to crack down on work ethic and, and things like that. And I would say for a long time, I have not had to do that because the players handle it themselves. Mm 
Mm. And our attendance, um, when you look at strength and conditioning, you look at speed training, you look at all those types of things is top notch across our school. And that it's just culture. It's just built year after year because that's the expectation. And I think that starts like even with our middle school league, they, they see that. They see that this is what we do here. This is just what we do. This is our culture. So I think that's big. And I think being kind. So, and, and not having a pecking order either is really important and that's helped us too. So I think that players come into our program and know that just because you're a senior does not mean that you get special privileges. Like you, you have a job. So I assign jobs too. So I take that off of the players. They have a pre-practice, a post-practice, pre-game and post-game. Like they have a job to do at the field or with equipment or whatever. And just because like you're a senior doesn't mean like, uh-uh, those freshmen go and carry the buckets or they're the ones taking care of the field at the end of practice. Uh-uh. Everybody has something that they're responsible for. And the older you get, the bigger your job is because you've been here. Mm-hmm. So not easier. Like leadership is hard. Like to be a leader, to be like a, a district administrator at PHM, like my job gets harder as I climb, you know, because I'm serving. Like leadership is is serving others. And I want my players to understand that. Leadership isn't like you get to sit here and everybody else gets to work for you. That is absolutely not how it works. Like I mm-hmm. better be, as the head coach, I better be the hardest worker here. I better bring the most energy to every practice, every game. I better be planned. I better be organized. Like that's on me. And so I I need I want I want to build female leaders. I want them either they're going to go play college softball or they're going to go into the business world or they're going to lead their household someday. They're going to be leaders because mm-hmm. we're going to instill this now that this is how it's going to work here. And you get trust through that, right? Like you get trust through nobody gets something special. Like we're all going to work together. Like we all have a part in this. Man, I just want to sit down and have coffee with you and just talk for hours, but you've already given so much time to us and I'm just so incredibly grateful. Normally, this is the part of the episode where I say, hey, how can people follow you? Um, I'm not sure if you want all that attention, but like, where are you active on social media? Where can people keep learning the things that you're learning and seeing your program and, and what's going on on the inside? Yeah, so I'm on Twitter. It's at Zachary Beth. So we have that. We also have a uh, PSB pin softball Twitter account too, where we share a lot of things pin softball related. We have a Facebook account, Pin Lady Kingsman uh, softball. And so you can follow that as well on our Facebook page. You know, I just share things that I think are are inspiring or that help our players. So a lot of things that I share are player driven. Maybe they're sharing something that they did in travel ball or something funny even sometimes and just put it out there as far as that goes. But I'm also like, if there's a high school coach, if anybody ever wants to talk to me, you know, I have my email too. It's bzachary at phm.k12.in.us. I'm always happy to talk to anybody or answer questions or share plans. You know, some of the greatest things that I've gotten are from college coaches who were willing to share examples of practice plans and drills and, you know, different ideas on how they build culture and things like that. And so, you know, I think sharing um, is one of the biggest and best things that we can do is learn from each other as coaches or, you know, at any level. And so I'm always happy to do that as well. Again, my why is to grow the game and to give kids opportunities. And so that's all I want. And if I can help do that, happy to. Uh, That's just going to raise the stakes for all like high school ball. I love it. Get ready for your emails to be flooded. I'm going to make sure (laughs) all of that information is in the show notes for people to just tap on and be able to get in touch with you. Cause I think that's just amazing. And it, it's just a testament to the culture that you've built and why you're here. And I think that's just incredible. 
Do you have time for a quick little rapid fire send off? Okay, cool. Yep. I'm going to ask you five questions, rapid fire. I mean, spend time on an answer if you want to get into it. I'm fine with that. But the first question that I have is, what's your favorite sports book that you've ever read? Because I know you love books. So my dad gave me, when I was 12 years old, a book called The Edge. It's not even in publication anymore, but it's stories and accounts from famous, successful um, athletes and coaches. And um, it's a really, really old book. It's really cool, but uh, inscribed in the front of it is a letter to me. It was a letter to me um, as I was getting ready. I'll start crying. Embark on my high school uh, career about how I could be anything that I wanted to be. And so it's my favorite book. Wow. That's so special. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. What's a recent, like the most recent lesson the game has taught you? Hmm. I feel like you're in travel (laughs) ball right now with the girls. There's probably one there. (laughs) Yeah. That the game is going to decide who wins. Like it is Mm -hmm. a game of strategy and it can be brutal and devastating. You can be winning by 10 runs and end up losing. And that, you know, you just have to be tough to play this game. It's a game of failure and it will break your heart. I would say that that's probably even besides travel, uh, we were final four this year. We were amazing and heartbroken not to make it to the state finals this year. We were very, very, very close and very capable of being there. And so the game will break your heart. It will, but if you love it, you just get right back on and you keep doing it. Mm-hmm. Incredible. What is a coaching memory you'll never forget? Most recently, it would be coaching the my daughter through a no-hitter in semifinals. That was super fun. I'll never forget that as a mom and as a coach. Uh, I would also say our 2016 state championship run was just so special. Those players are still near and dear you know, to my heart today. And it was just a really cool journey. Who was your favorite coach that you had? Oh, my favorite coach that I had would have to be uh, Coach Brocker, Coach Fred Brocker from Castle High School. He's actually my volleyball coach, not my softball coach. Wow. Um, and yeah, I played volleyball four years through high school. My girls play volleyball too. Love, love, love volleyball. And he was just so full of energy, so full of life, could hold you accountable, but love you hard in the same moment. Just he really was dynamic and was my AP English teacher too. And so uh, I grew up wanting to be just like him. I wanted to be an English teacher and just this coach that like, people were like, what is going on? But this is cool. So yeah, he's pretty special to me. He passed this year, which was uh, very devastating and unfortunate and unexpected, but he will always have such a huge impact on my life and my family too. He always followed my family. He followed my career and was an amazing, amazing human. Wow, what a legacy is left for you. That's just incredible. Mm-hmm. Before I ask the final question, I just want to thank you so much for coming on. This is a long time coming. And secretly, I still have a million more questions I'd love to ask you. Um, <laughs> maybe another time. But sure. just thanks so much for being on. This has been just an absolute pleasure, pleasure for me. Well, thank you for the opportunity. And I'm completely like humbled that you asked me to be on here. So thank you so much. Absolutely. So tying back into legacy, what legacy do you want to leave on the game? I want players to never let anybody tell them what they can and can't do. I want my players to always follow their heart, follow their passion, and to be good teammates, good people, and to just give back, give back to others, do what you can to help others. Just be a kind, good person. 
Well, I know you have 39 college athletes you've sent off, but I know there are many, many, many more that you've worked with that you've changed the lives of. And they are just so lucky to have you in their corner forever. So incredible. Well, thank you. You thank are you. so welcome. Thanks for coming on. This was an absolute blast for me. And I, I really do want to do this again. <laughs> Absolutely. You just let me know. Thank you so much, though. I really do appreciate the opportunity to talk to you. I don't know if any of this helps anybody, but I hope it does. Oh, it will. Trust me. You're going to get all the feedback and I'm going to send it to you. I also want to say to you, too, that you are inspiring, that you have been uh, a huge essential component to our area moving up here, you know, coming back to, to Indiana and giving back to girls. So my why, I feel like you're living. So I look up to you um, and love that you're doing this. This is important and it's special. And so kudos and hats off to you, too. You're going to make me cry. Um, I love it here. <laughs> I'll be back yes. at Penn soon to hang out with your girls. But, I just, yes. I love what you're doing. You're think. <laughs> I love it. I think our whys are so similar. And this is why I just had to have you on the show. That this is. Um, we know you total... love black and gold. So you can be an honorary Kingsman. <laughs> Absolutely. Black and gold for life. You know, I'm black and gold my own. It's insane. Exactly. <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait to watch your girls too. I'm going to come to some Thank games you. this year. You're so Thank welcome. You. Man, I am such a big fan of Beth Zachary and her daughters and her family. And shout out to Dave Zachary, who's holding down the fort, supporting Beth and everything that she does, and is such a great dad to the girls. As you can see, Beth's got a lot of things figured out. My favorite thing about her is that she mentioned she's always learning. It's funny how her old players call her soft now. It's not the first time I've heard an elite coach say that, but she's learning and adapting to the times, which makes her such an incredible coach. There's a reason why her athletes rave about her. And obviously through this conversation, you probably found out why. She's tough. She's vulnerable when she needs to be. She has high expectations. But all in all, she cares so much about the kids that go into her program. And she makes sure they leave better people. It really just takes one special coach to change the game for you. Beth is that coach for many. And if you're a coach out there, and you want to be able to inspire your athletes, this is a very valuable conversation that I hope you go back to and re-listen and relearn some of these topics that Beth is absolutely crushing. I want to support you in any way that you can. And if you want to follow Beth, you can find all of the information for her in the show notes. And you can always DM me to try to get a hold of her as well. I love that she shared her email so that you guys have access to her and can ask her anything. She really is an open book. And I am so glad to have had her on the show. Thanks for tuning in to episode one of season three. Like I said, we have many incredible guests and an amazing one coming at you next week. And don't forget to check out the new gear that you have access to. Crazy enough, the line that I'm about to say is on the mug and one of our t-shirts that you can get access to at www.ashleybtraining.com. Check out Empowerment Gear and you can see this incredible gear that I have made specifically for you. Stay awkward. Stay humble, keep smiling, and keep working hard towards those big goals of yours. I'll see you next week.